Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. Thanks for joining me to talk NFL player props this week. And as always, let's first look back at one of our props from last week and sort of analyze where we were either right or wrong. And the one that I want to look back on is one that we talked about from from Monday Night Football, and it was the under on Joe Mixon's longest rush. Now, we bet this based on the Bengals' offensive line issues. They have not been clearing running room for Mixon this season. And so we were a winner that uh, on Monday night in this bet. He only had – his longest rush was six yards. Um, we were obviously aided by the fact that the Browns led throughout this game. Mixon only had eight carries. But, again, we bet this based on the Bengals' offensive line issues, and that played out pretty much as we expected. In fact, it was one of their worst games of the season, I mean, both in terms of run blocking and pass protection. Obviously, it was a mess. Uh, but on those eight carries that Mixon had, he was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on half of those, and he did not gain three or more yards uh, before contact on any of them. And as we've talked about many times in the past when discussing longest rush props, three or more yards before contact is a really critical number. That's 79% of plays that go for 15 or more yards start with three or more yards before contact. So you've got to, the offensive line has to do their job. They have to give you a running lane in order to break off one of those big plays. And the Bengals just aren't doing that for mixing it this season. As a result, he's got one carry over 15 yards this season. And his longest rush has been 13 yards or, or I'm sorry, his longest rush has been under 13 yards in seven of the eight games that he's played this year. So the under has really consistently been a winner for Mixon. The line for this has been available at 13 and a half or higher all season. So unless this line starts to drop significantly, I think we've got to continue to play the under on this. And that includes this week against the Carolina Panthers. Now, just to, go back to hit on some of the numbers that we mentioned last week on Mixon. He's gaining three or more yards before contact on just 19% of his carries. That ranks 34th out of 37 qualified running backs. And when he does, when he does not get those three or more yards before contact, he does not have a single run of 10 or more yards. So if he is not getting that untouched yardage early, right at the line of scrimmage, He's not breaking off these long runs. And so the Bengals offensive line, they're just not giving his op- him these opportunities. He's only going to have a couple of these untouched yard opportunities at the at uh, in any given game. And he hasn't really taken advantage of it. So I think we can play this again this week against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are not a great run defense, but I think that actually works to our advantage because we're not going to have the line drop on account of the defense. So I think we're actually at a bit of an advantage here having a respectable but not great run defense for him to go up against here. The Panthers rank 12th in their rate of allowing three or more yards before contact. They rank 18th in their rate of allowing 10 or more yards. So, you know, they're right there in that middle of the pack. The line is probably not going to shift based on the matchup, but we've got a pretty good track record now halfway through the season, basically mixing running behind this Bengals offensive line is just not getting running lanes and he's not taking advantage of the small handful of opportunities on which he is getting in each game. So against this Panthers defense, I think we should still like the under, as I said, the line for Mixon's longest rush has been available at 13 and a half or higher all season. Hopefully it stays there. If it drops by a yard to 12 and a half, I think I would still be on the under. If it drops more than that, maybe you would stay away, but I think I would have to lean under still, even if it dropped by two yards to 11 and a half. I just, 
obviously lose a little bit of confidence the more it drops. But we haven't seen the line move yet, so hopefully it's still out there at 13.5, and and if it is, I'll feel really good about that again this week. Okay, I've got one quarterback prop that I like this week, and it's the over on Taylor Heineke's completions against the Minnesota Vikings, and this follows a trend that we've played a couple times this season, including last week. Um, We've been using this trend for both the Vikings and the Bills defenses because those are the two most vanilla defenses in the league in terms of how they line up in coverage and in terms of their uh, lack of blitzes on the season. The Vikings play zone coverage with no blitz and 73% of opponent dropbacks. League average is 55%. So this is a pretty significantly different defense. The Bills, as I mentioned, they're right around that same same, uh, number. They're at 72%. So this is something that I've been kind of keeping an eye out every week to see how quarterbacks match up against these really vanilla defenses. Last week, we played this against the Vikings with Kyler Murray based on the fact that the Cardinals offense, they like to play, they like those shorter routes to begin with. And so we bet the over on Kyler Murray's completions last week. It was an easy win. I said I would bet the over up to 26 and a half. He ended up going all the way up to 31 completions. So that was an easy win, regardless of where you got that line. And now this isn't one that I'm playing every single week because there are certain quarterbacks who throw downfield almost regardless of the types of coverage that they're getting. Um, And then also sometimes this line is just too high if there's a shootout that's expected. So I think that the times to play it typically has been when we have a a bad matchup. So, you know, Taylor Heineke against a good Vikings team that looks like a bad matchup, you would expect there to be, you know, him to have some struggles. Maybe I think the general public would expect his numbers to be suppressed in this matchup. But because the Vikings do play this very vanilla defense, lots of zone coverage, no blitzes, that invites completions. It takes away the deep ball, as we've talked about before. You're not going to get explosive plays against this style of defense, but they're sort of purposefully doing this bend but don't break approach where they'll let you have some underneath stuff and they'll just trust their linebackers and defensive backs to make plays and keep the play in front of them. Both the Bills and Vikings have been doing this all year, and we've had success picking our, picking certain spots to bet the overrun completions because of this. And I think this is a good opportunity, again, with Taylor Heineke, again, you know, we're not really expecting big numbers from Heineke, but I think the completions are going to be there because of the matchup. And although we don't have a huge track record with Heineke so far this season, when he has faced this uh, defensive alignment zone coverage with no blitz, he's thrown 10 or more yards downfield just 24% of the time. That's the fourth lowest rate in the league. Now, he had a little bit more playing time last year. That number was a little bit higher. It was 31% last year. But that was right in line with the league average. So he at, at no point has he been somebody who challenges downfield consistently, regardless of coverage he is. I, I think we can conservatively say at worst he's approaching this you know, at a league average rate of taking what the defense gives him on the underneath stuff. And this year in particular, possibly even more so. Uh, as that, as I said, that rate of throwing downfield is the fourth lowest against no coverage, against zone coverage, no blitz this season. So I feel pretty good about the over. Because we don't have a big track record of Heineke's completions prop this season, um, it's a little harder to guess what it'll be. But based on what we've seen these last past couple of weeks, I'm going to guess that it's 20 and a half or 21 and a half. And I'm going to be on the over at either of those two numbers. If it jumps up to 22 or 23, I'm, I'm leaning over, but maybe I stay away at that point. But 
you know, nothing that we've seen from Heineke so far this season would make me think that it's going to, uh, that that line is going to shift dramatically from what we've seen so far. So assuming it's at 20, 21, somewhere around there, I'm going to be on the over on Taylor Heineke's completions prop against the Vikings. So the next prop that I'd like to give out is also following a uh, defensive trend that we've been using this season. We've had a lot of success with it over the past few weeks, and that's following the Patriots defense. So this week, we're playing the Colts, and I'm going to take the over on Alec Pierce's receiving yards. I expect this line to be probably around 44 and a half. It's pretty consistently been in that range lately. So assuming it's there, I'm going to take the over on Pierce's receiving yards just to, you know, get you up to speed on what we've been doing the past couple of weeks and this, the Patriots play uh, a really high rate of single high coverages. And that's an outlier because the league as a whole is shifting towards more two high coverages. And so with the Patriots defense being an outlier, I think there's an advantage here. If we look at how teams uh, spread the ball around against single high coverages, their usage is going to be different than it is against almost every other team in the league that are really leaning on those two high coverages. So, Based on these trends over the past couple of weeks, last week we won with the over on Garrett Wilson's receiving yards. The week before that, we won with the under on Cole Komet's receptions. And the week prior, the under on David Njoku's receptions. And basically, the, this trend works because the two high safety formations, it leaves the middle of the field open. Single high formations creates more opportunities on the outside of the field. So, Typically, offenses are going to spread the ball around differently. Against two high formations, you're going to see more throws in the middle of the field. That often means more tight ends. That's why a couple of these bets have been the under on tight ends receptions because teams that like to throw to their tight end are just going to have fewer opportunities against the Patriots. But last week, it looked like Garrett Wilson was the uh, biggest beneficiary, and that turned out to be true. And this week, I think it's going to be Alec Pierce for the Colts. Now, Taking a look at how the Colts attack single high coverages, I looked at their numbers excluding week two uh, throughout that week just because Pierce and Michael Pittman were both out. So threw that that week out completely. And Pierce seems to be the biggest beneficiary, and there doesn't really seem to be anyone who takes a really substantial hit. The tight end Kylan Granson uh, does see a bit of a drop-off in his um targets as we would expect for tight ends against uh single high coverage but he just doesn't have enough of a usage overall for me to real really feel confident betting the under on him so i think the the angle that we want to take here is to bet the over on pierce's receiving yards based on these numbers when the colts are facing two high coverages pierce's target share is 7.6 percent versus single high coverages it jumps up to 17.4 percent so he seems he has seen a really significant increase in his use against single high coverages, and that makes total sense based on his skill set and what we saw him do at Cincinnati last year. He excelled at stretching the field last year at Cincinnati with Desmond Ritter as his quarterback, and so that's been the area where he has most quickly assimilated to the NFL, being able to stretch the field on the outside for the Colts. So it makes sense that against single high coverages, that's where they're more comfortable giving him the ball and. We do have to account for a quarterback change. Sam Ellinger took over last week. The Colts offense is going to be a little bit different than Ellinger. He's not the downfield passer that Matt Ryan uh, theoretically, or at least what they thought they were going to get out of Matt Ryan. Ellinger is a little bit more mobile. So it's a different offense with him back there. We should maybe have a, a little a little bit more skepticism betting anything with the Colts offense right now. But 
It's only one sample size, but last week, this trend did hold true. Four of Pierce's five targets last week came against single high coverages. And against single high coverage, he actually led the team with a 36% target share. So it does not seem like Ellinger's presence in the offense is going to change Pierce's usage against single high coverages. And if it does, maybe it actually gives him more targets because he did see a increased target share versus single high coverage in that one game. Really small sample size, although I'm not going to put any more stock in it. But, you know, it it does, uh, at the very least, it gives me confidence that we're not going to see a significant shift in a negative direction in terms of Pierce's usage. Now, I should also mention that Michael Pittman, since he often lines up on the outside, he does see a small boost here as well. His target share jumps from 23% versus too high to 28% against single high coverages. Again, that makes sense. He's capable of stretching the field. He lines up on the outside. Those players are going to see more usage. So if I were going to bet any of Pittman's props, either receptions or receiving yards, I would lean over. But I lean towards Pierce being the better option in this one because we just see a more significant use for him. Obviously, he's a little bit more limited of a receiver in terms of what he can do. And his strength is stretching the field. So against a single high coverage where he's more likely to have one-on-one matchup on the outside, he's going to get increased targets there in that matchup. So against the Patriots, I think we should have a lot of confidence by the over on Pierce's receiving yards. And I expect this line around 44 and a half. All right, let's jump now to a prop for a player that I don't believe I've talked about at all this season. That's Travis Etienne. I'm going to be on the over on his longest rush against the Raiders. And now I have to admit when I first started doing some research, some numbers jumped out at me for the Raiders defense. And I was kind of lean. I started looking into this prop further because I was actually leaning towards the under initially based on some numbers that I saw for the Raiders defense. As we talked about, you know, earlier in the show, three or more yards before contact, that's a critical number for long runs. And if you have a defense that's preventing uh, three or more yards before contact at a high rate, you're going to feel pretty good about betting the under. And that's the case with the Raiders. They have done a nice job preventing untouched yardage at the line of scrimmage this season. So I was initially kind of leaning towards the under, but then I did notice that ETN has been gaining three or more yards before contact at a really high rate. So I wanted to try to dig a little bit deeper into this, uh, into those numbers and see, you know, ETN doesn't have a big sample size. How much should I trust this? How much of this is truly ETN? How much of this has been some favorable matchups and so I looked at opponent-adjusted data. I've referenced this these types of stats before, and it's basically all I'm doing is looking at how often a player gains, you know, whatever stat I am I'm looking at relative to how often his opponents allow it. So in this case, I wanted to look at how often are running backs gaining three or more yards before contact relative to how often his opponents are allowing three or more yards before contact. And then I adjust that number for how many carries in each game, because obviously that's a significant factor. So for Travis Etienne, he's gaining three or more yards before contact at a rate 62% above expected relative to his opponent's rates allowed. That was easily the highest rate in the league. So as I said, I initially started out leaning towards trusting the Raiders defense, but digging deeper into these numbers, I think Travis Etienne really just has a skill set that he's so explosive. We need to trust his numbers regardless of the matchup. Now, Partially, this is ETN. He's an explosive runner. We know that going back to his time as college. 
this is also partially Jaguars scheme, partially their offensive line. It's worth noting that James Robinson, when he was with the Jaguars, was 13% above expected. So Robinson is not a particularly explosive running back. So we, I think we certainly have to attribute some of this to just the Jaguars scheme and offensive line. But Etienne, you know, he's just his that 62% above expected. That's in a he's basically in a class all by himself. Aaron Jones was number two on the list. Uh, I didn't write down exactly what his number was. I believe it was in the 40% range, somewhere around there. But Etienne was clearly at the top of this list in a range all by himself. I think we have to kind of assume that he's matchup proof right now in terms of his ability to gain untouched yards and break off these long runs. And, you know, he's got a track record of hitting the over now over the last few games. In fact, He's hit a run of 30 yards or longer in four straight games. I mean, that's extreme to expect anything like that. You know, we're not going to certainly not going to bet on him breaking off a run of 30 yards, but the line last week was 17 and a half. The fact that he's hit the over a few weeks in a row now, maybe it jumps up to eight and a half, 18 and a half, maybe even 19 and a half. But I think at either of those numbers, I'm still going to be on the over. I think that uh, based on what we're seeing, he's fit right into this offense. They seem to know exactly how to use him. However you want to you know, distribute credit, his, he's picking up yards before contact at an incredible rate right now. It's probably a combination of ETN's talent, the scheme, offensive line, all of the above. Uh, but I think we have to trust these numbers right now. There's enough of a sample size here, even though he was sharing carries early in the season. We've seen enough, and that's a, that number is so dramatic that I think he's basically matchup proof. And so I'm going to be on the over on ETN's longest rush, so long as it's under 20 this week. Okay, one last prop. As always, I like to wrap things up with a Thursday night prop. This week, we've got Eagles and Texans. Pretty terrible Thursday night matchup, but there is a prop that I like a lot in this game. Um, and just like the last prop that we talked about, it's sort of uh, an offense versus defensive trend that doesn't necessarily match up strengths and weaknesses. But again, I'm going to lean on uh, the offensive side of the ball here. And I'm going to bet the under on Miles Sanders' longest rush at 18 and a half yards. This line is significantly raised relative to what Sanders' longest rush prop has been. It was 15 and a half last week. It has consistently been there for most of the season. The highest it's been is 16 and a half. So there's, there's no faith in the Texans' defense right now. This line is getting a full two yards above the highest number we've seen for Sanders. But as bad as the Texans defense has been, and it has been bad in this regard, I I don't think Sanders is capable of taking advantage of it. Now, just to start out giving some numbers out into why this number why this line has is raised against the Titans, the Texans defense. Houston's allowing three or more yards before contact on 30% of carries by running backs. That's the league's highest rate. So this is not a good defense. They're not creating early contacts. They're not creating early contact against running backs. However, Sanders is one of the least explosive running backs in the league. He does not take advantage of opportunities when his offensive line and or the defense gives him running lanes. His longest rush has been 13 yards or less in four of seven games this season. So this line's at 18 and a half. Most of the time, he's not even coming close to that number, despite the fact that he's playing behind a good offensive line and has had favorable situations regularly this season. Additionally, he's gaining 15 or more yards on just 3.5% of his carries this year. That ranks 33rd out of 46 running backs. And even when he does get three or more yards before contact, 
Sanders is gaining 15 or more yards on just 6% of his carries. That ranks 39th out of 46 running backs. So, yes, this is a friendly defense, but Sanders isn't capable of taking advantage of these opportunities. He does. He just is not taking advantage of these running lanes that he gets, which he has been getting at a decent rate behind a good offensive line. And even in this matchup where you know we should expect him to have some opportunities to have longer runs, I think we've seen throughout the year we can't trust him to do that. And with this line elevated so much at 18 and a half, there's just no reason to expect Sanders is going to do that. Now, another reason why I like it, because the matchup is so bad, <laughs> the Eagles are 14-point favorites and on a short week too. So I would expect Sanders' workload to be reduced. Just last week in a blowout win against the Steelers, he only had nine carries. So I don't see any reason to expect a significant workload for him. And even though we do think the Texans' defense is vulnerable, I just don't think that Sanders has shown anything to make us believe he's capable of taking advantage of that and breaking off a long run. So th this is actually one of my favorite props of the week. This isn't one that I'm just giving out just to have something to talk about for Thursday Night Football. I do have quite a bit of faith in this one. The under on Sanders, 18 and a half rushing yards as his longest rush is one of my favorite props of the week. That's it for this week's show. Hope you all have a fun and profitable week nine. 